You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cyberwire's Hacking Humans podcast. This is the show where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and the criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner from the Cyberwire, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Got some good stories to share this week. And later in the show, Joe speaks with Scott Knaus. He's a security consultant who was targeted by some scammers. And we are back. Joe, before we uh, jump into this week's stories, we got a kind note from a listener. Okay. They wrote in, actually left a review of our show. They said they love the show, which, of course, we appreciate. Uh, I hope but it they, was a five-star review, David. Uh, I'm sure it was. Okay. Uh, but uh, but <laughs> also, they wanted to remind us, educate us, make the point that, turns out, there is no such word as mischievous. Uh-huh. It's mischievous. Mischievous, yep. One of us, probably me. And maybe me, because I have said mischievous. I would guess that my default is to say mischievous, Hmm. and now I will not. Right. (laughs) Me neither, because it is mischievous. It is mischievous. Believe me, we searched, and it's mischievous. (laughs) Because when Dave told me this, I said, wait, I think it is mischievous, or that's an acceptable pronunciation. It is not. No, it's It's not. It's (laughs) mischievous. It is not. Are there any other uh, mispronunciations that, dare I say, you hate? Well, I do hate uh, (laughs) misappropriation of words, like, for example, the word literally, yeah. means that you are actually doing something, right. not that you're figuratively doing something. I contend that Merriam-Webster is contributing to the degeneration of the English language by defining it as a uh, figurative term. I see. Yeah, yeah. That, I, is, that, that is, is one. Literally. That is a hill I'm willing to die on. <laughs> okay. That is literally annoying. It is literally annoying. Uh, mine is, one that uh, gets my goat is Calvary versus Cavalry. Cavalry is the horses and Calvary is a hill to die on. That is correct. <laughs> there you go. See, that's a nice callback there. So, yeah, it bugs me when people say, call in the Calvary. Yes. Like, ugh, yes. no, it's Cavalry. That's, that's uh, malapropism. Yeah. Yes. So. Uh. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks to our kind listener for uh, sending in that note and setting us straight. Yep, and teaching us because you're never <laughs> done learning, Dave. You're never really done learning until you're dead. Right, exactly, despite your attempts to die on hills. so right. <laughs> All right, well, I'm going to kick things off for us this week. There's a, there's a joke that's going around that right now uh, in the time of uh, coronavirus, every podcast is a coronavirus podcast, yep. and uh, this we are no exception. So uh, I'm going to do our part and uh, talk about some of the coronavirus scams that have been making the rounds. This is actually an article from Forbes written by Thomas Brewster. The title is Coronavirus Scam Alert. Beware fake Fox News articles promising a CBD oil cure. Hmm. So there's a bunch of layers to this. This article starts off with an image, a a screen grab from a, a fake ad. And the headline of the ad says, and it's got the Fox News logo on it. Yes, it does. And it says, while the world is waiting for a vaccine, one mom has found a solution to fight back against the coronavirus outbreak. Of course she has. <laughs> it's, it's, it reminds me of the movie trailer guy. One mom has found the solution to fight back against. <sighs> so, You know what's okay. amazing about this, this green grab that's on here, Dave? What's that? Is that it has like a Chrome alert that says this site wants to send you push messages, push notifications. <laughs> Oh, the, can you imagine oh. the layer of hell you would be in if you agreed to that? <laughs> right. Oh, Which man. circle is that? <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know. One of the inner ones, I suppose. Yeah. So a lot to unpack here. Of course, CBD oil, which is 
a legitimate uh, medicinal item. Yep. Legal here in Maryland now, although actually we have marijuana legal yeah, for medicinal, for medicinal use. use. But part of what's happening right now is because CBD is new and still a little bit mysterious. Right. So there's a little bit of an educational gap, I think, as to what CBD can and cannot do for you. So the scammers are taking advantage of that gap there. And they're sending out all sorts of messages saying that CBD will cure what ails you, right. even if that happens to be COVID-19. It's which a modern-day snake oil. Exactly. Exactly. And this, this article has a number of uh, examples of text messages that were sent out. Uh, really? I'll read a couple of them here. One of them says, Paul, scientists just confirmed positive results on testing this coronavirus protection. Claim a free sample for your family. Here's another one. It says, coronavirus alert. This face mask provides an extra layer of safety. Here's another one that says, hi, Kimberly. No one will be safe from the coronavirus anymore. This is the only survival guide you require to overcome the crisis. Uh, Now, this one is interesting, Dave. Yeah. First off, it's interesting that they've got names for people. They're buying some data set. Right. Right. Yeah. But this one is a very small message that tries to do the typical scare and then we have the solution. Yeah. Do you notice that? Yeah. Yep, it says yep. nobody's going to escape, but hey, here's a survival guide. And it does it in like maybe 15, 20 words. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. small space. Yeah. Interesting. The one after that, it says, Luis, are you and your family prepared for the coronavirus? This mask can be your lifeline. So similar kind of thing. Yep. Short and sweet. You know, these all have links, which, of course, take you to, I'm sure, places that are up to no good. Yes. They're willing to take your money and offer you nothing in return. Yeah. Another thing this article points out is that other things that are being offered are payday loans, which are high interest loans, basically predatory loans. Yeah. They're, they're a terrible idea. Yeah. Well, the preying on the, the weak and the desperate and yeah. all those bad things. Absolutely. Another point this article makes is that Adaptive Mobile, which is a a mobile data provider, they've been tracking spam messages that scammers are are sending out. And in the past week, 1% of all SMS scam was related to coronavirus. In just a week, that rose to 6.5%. Okay. And I would hazard to guess that it's only going to head in one direction. Absolutely. Until this pandemic thing is over, it's going to just go up. I'll bet the curve matches the actual curve of infections. Oh. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. 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 In that case, does correlation actually causation? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you could study why, but I bet, yeah. I mean, they're playing on people's fears. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And the, the mobile carriers are doing their best to try to block these things. But, of course, that's a game of whack-a-mole. It is. So they do make a point here that something that I was not aware of, that you can forward text messages to your carrier. Evidently, if you forward it to 7726, that's the number that carriers use to gather up these sort of spammy really? things. I did not know that. I did not know that either. Yeah, so there you go. How about that? Um, and the advice from the, uh, the mobile carriers is stay safe, wash your hands, don't click on strange links. Yes. Words to live by. Yeah, all, all good <laughs> hygiene practices. Yeah. All right, well, that is this week's coronavirus scam update. Joe, what do you have for us this week? Dave, my story is 100% coronavirus free. <laughs> it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air. Yes, it is. Okay. So everybody can get real close to this story. It's not really a story, actually. Yeah. I, I, I've decided that about once a month, until I run out of these scams to talk about, I'm going to talk about old-time scams Okay. and the ways they used to work. And I've picked out three of them today that are classic scams Okay. that may still run today. Uh-huh. But they, they all feed on some kind of human nature factor. Okay. Right? So the first one I'm going to talk about is the fake stolen car scam. All right. Here's how this works. The victim answers an ad in the paper for a car that's for sale. 
and the person says, I'm trying to sell it, but I will give you a really steep discount if you pay in cash. Ah. Right? So maybe it's a really nice car. It's a relatively new car. It's got low mileage on it, and they're willing to sell it to you for five grand. Yeah. But you have to bring cash. That's the only way. They're got, they've got to get out of town quickly. Okay. Right? And they say, come to my house, and we'll do the deal. You can drive the car. Whatever. You show up at the house. There's the guy with the car. Yeah. And you can drive the car. Everything looks great. And then you go into the house to settle up, and that's when the cops show up. Really? Right? They make a show out of arresting the guy that's selling you the car, and they haul him outside. And then they say to you, what are you doing here? You're buying stolen goods. You know this car is stolen. Nobody sells this car for $5,000, right? Where's the money? We need that for evidence, right? Huh. And then the cops take the money from the victim. Yeah. And then they say, you stay here. And we're going to go ask him some more questions because maybe we're not going to arrest you, right? You're terrified. So you go – you sit still. The cops go out to the to the car. Everybody gets in the car and they drive away, right? <laughs> okay. The cops weren't real. The house isn't even their house. It's a vacant house or maybe it's a uh, – you know, it's, it's a house that somebody's on vacation. And you're out five grand. Wow. Right? So here's one of the things about this. Now, we've talked about the interview we had with Penn Jillette a couple months ago. Or yeah. About a month ago, I guess. Once you're inside the house and these fake cops come in, the jig is up. They're going to get your money. Hmm. Right? And if, if you're in the situation where that happens, just give the money to the cops. You might even say, yeah, I know this is a scam, but I'm not going to fight you. Here's the money. Because there are three or four of them and one of you. Right. 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 And they are going to get that money. Yeah. Hmm, boy, there's a lot of things here. Yeah. I would say, if first of all, I would not go to a transaction like this alone. Right. Uh, so that's good. Yeah. I would never go in the house, I don't think. I would never agree to pay for a car in cash. I, I would not be comfortable carrying around enough cash to buy a car. Yeah. I would get a cashier's check. Okay. Which is almost as good as cash, mm. right? And it still gives me the capability of stopping payment on it if something goes horribly wrong. Right, right. You know, another thing that this uh, reminds me of is that, for example, I know here in Maryland, the state troopers have special places that you can go to do exchanges like this. Yes, they do. And they're basically like in the parking lot of the, of the state trooper barracks. Right, absolutely. And, and, there are, and there, you know, there's cameras and there's state troopers coming and going and that sort of thing. So, you know, you can say, hey, we're going to, I'm happy to do this, but uh, we're going to do meet, this at this location. We're gonna, yeah, we're going to meet on neutral ground in the parking lot of the state troopers. Right. And if they don't show up, I would hazard to say that fake cops aren't going to show up in the parking lot of the state troopers. <laughs> that's, but. A, that's a much more risky proposition, <laughs> isn't it? Right. Which again, something that Penn Jillette's Said, which was there's a high amount of risk with some of these scams. You know, disguising yourself as a police officer carries a certain amount of risk all of its own. Right. Yeah. What else do you have? The next one is the around the corner scam, they mm. call it. This was also kind of risky for the people that are carrying it out. They're doing it because the first thing they have to do is put a sign over top of a doorbell that says doorbell's not working. Call this number. Right. Hmm. And then when the delivery truck shows up and they have to know the delivery is coming as well, the delivery guy sees the, the number, calls the number and the person on the other end says, uh, oh, yes, the door is broken. The mechanism, we've got someone coming out to fix it later today, but I'll send somebody out or bring it around the corner, they say. OK. Right. And then the delivery person is just trying to do their job. Yeah. So they take the package around the corner or they wait there for someone to come out and meet it. And they say, hey, thanks. And they they walk off, not knowing that the package just has just been stolen. Uh, I see. It's kind of like a more advanced way of porch pirating, 
right? Mm -hmm. You're there for a very limited time. If you know there's a camera there, then you can have the delivery guy walk off camera and hand it to you off camera Hmm. so you're not seen. That way you don't have to be on camera. So it's a good scam. There's not really much you can do to protect yourself against this except insure your packages. Yeah, I would imagine in this case also that they target either vacant homes or places where people are on vacation, that sort of thing. Yeah. Actually, this is targeted more towards businesses. Oh, really? Of that nature. Oh, yeah. I see. There's the apocryphal stories of doing this with a night deposit box, right? Oh. So imagine I sit there in a fake security guard outfit and, and I, I put a sign on the night deposit box that says, the night deposit box is jammed. Oh, right. Please give your deposit to the security guard sitting to the left. And I'm just sitting there in a chair collecting night deposit bags all night long. The problem with that is it requires me to sit in plain view, right? And I I don't know that this happens frequently. I can imagine that it has happened, that people have tried it, but I don't think that goes off without a hitch. I think the cops would see that and go, that's not right. Yeah, (laughs) And then somebody's going to jail. Well, and I think also in these days where everything like that is under video surveillance, those are harder to pull off than they were in the past. They are. Yeah. And the last one I have here today is called the melon drop. Hmm. Okay. And here's how this works. I get some cheap, fragile thing, right? And I put it into a box and I wrap it up nicely. And then I go into a crowded place and I look for somebody looking at their phone. And then I bump into them, drop the cheap, fragile thing and make sure that it breaks when it hits the ground. Oh. Right. And then I say to them, what are you doing? You just broke my priceless Ming vase, right, or whatever it is. <laughs> right, you know? right, right. I got to look and see if it's still okay. I know it's not okay. Maybe it was broken before I put it in there, but there's just shards of glass or shards of ceramic in there. Uh-huh. I make up some sob story about this was my grandmother's device, or I just purchased this for $100, right? And I, I may even have a receipt that says, look, Dave, yeah. you bumped into me. You owe me $100 now. Okay. Uh, people want to do the right thing. So they they might offer to to pay for this or offer some kind of recompense for this. Yeah. Right? But the truth of the matter is this is a scam. Nobody is walking around with priceless artifacts and then not paying attention to it. If they are, that's kind of the fault of both parties, I would say. The guy carrying the box is at least as much at fault as the guy looking at his cell phone. Hmm. The defense against this scam is that it has to happen in a, in a fairly open place. You're not being lured somewhere. You're being targeted out in the open. So you can at least just walk away from this without any, any further interaction. You can go, just, I'm, I'm done. Goodbye. Yeah. And, good and luck to away. you. Good luck to you. <laughs> good day, sir. Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, so some uh, interesting, uh, interesting ones. And you know, certainly can see how some of those might uh, evolve for modern use. I imagine some of those are still in play around the world. Oh, I would imagine they are. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Our catch of the day uh, comes uh, via Reddit. This is a phishing email that someone received and shared with uh, one of the groups that collects these sorts of things. It goes like this. I'm Dr. Raquel Docterman. My specializations of foot and ankle, athletic injury, shoulder and elbow, trauma and fractures, sports medicine and arthroscopic surgery. Also interested in procedures of replacing the shoulders and knees. I am the team physician for Northwestern University in Kirkland. Also serve as team physician for the U.S. Women's U-20 National Soccer Team and other professional sports, including golf, tennis, and hockey. I'm also involved with local high school and club sports teams. In addition, I am a consultant for Cirque du Soleil. 
I'm also so much dedicated in helping each and every of my patients to gain maximum and potential physicality through cutting-edge surgical and non-surgical treatment of musculoskeletal conditions and individualization of patient education. I learn so much from patients just by listening and learning about their lives. So being a good listener is the most important part of my relationship with my patients. This message was sent to your email because you have an opportunity from the University Office for Students with Disabilities to work with me and other to help and assist students with disabilities frustrated with ignorance and lack of services. But as my interim personal assistant, I really do care so much about social services, children, environment, social action, arts and culture, education, disaster and humanitarian relief, and lots more. I can assure you this employment is very simple. All you need to do are purchase some items which are needed, mailing of letters, and making payments at Walmart. And this employment won't take much of your time and at least two hours daily, three times a week, for $450. I am unable to meet up with you for an interview due to the fact that I am away currently helping the disabled students in Belgium. For all the purchases and tasks to get done on my behalf while I am still away, you will be paid in advance. Some of my personal letters and mails will be forwarded to your residence or nearby post office for you to pick up at your convenience. Upon my arrival, we will discuss the possibility of making this a long-term relationship that if you really do impress me with your services while I am away. My arrival is scheduled for the end of January 2019. Here's how to apply for the internship. Please send me your information as stated below. Full name, contact address, cell phone number, alternate personal email address, different from school email, attached resume. It's okay if you do not have a resume to attach. Best regards, Dr. Raquel Docterman, clinical counselor, disabled student programs and services. I like how her name is Dr. Docterman. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's they, uh, just the level of creativity there is, uh, <laughs> which we want yeah, Dr. Docterman. <laughs> Uh, That's my favorite part of mm-hmm. this. Yeah, I swear I'm not making this up. This is absolutely true. My father's proctologist is named Dr. Butt. <laughs> well, it's kind of a self-fulfilling I mean, prophecy, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're in med school. You're thinking, what? Uh, which specialty should I uh, pursue? And someone next to you goes, you should be a proctologist, Butt. Yeah, ha-ha! exactly. And, uh, then the, and the guy goes, wait a minute. Hmm. It might be a good career. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, well, all right. Well, let's unpack this here. Pretty straightforward what's going on here. Yes, this looks like a money-muling scam to me, Dave. It looks like they're going to try to get you to uh, either cash some bad checks or, or do some stuff or maybe just steal your identity with the information that you give here. Don't ever reply to anything like this. Yeah, I could imagine also that they'll start out by paying you in advance for some things and then they, right. they gain your trust and then they ask you to start paying for some things and sooner or later it escalates. You're paying for more and more things and then at some yeah. point they stop reimbursing you. And I would bet that it doesn't even go that far. I'll bet that you, you never get a dime from them and that you're, you're just out money. Yeah. That would be my guess. Yeah, could be. All right. Well, that's a good one. That is our catch of the day this week. Coming up next, we've got Joe's interview with Scott Knaus. He is a security consultant who is targeted by some scammers. And we are back. Uh, Joe, you had the uh, pleasure of speaking with Scott Knaus recently. He's I did. A, he's a security consultant who found himself targeted by some scammers. It's an interesting tale that he shares. Here's Joe's conversation with Scott Knaus. My guest today is Scott Knaus. He holds a CISSP and other security certifications. He is the head of IM Mouse Technology Solutions. And recently, he was targeted by a work-from-home scam. Scott Tell us how this got started. I've been getting a lot of the uh, robocalls and 
whatnot to my my phone recently, just like almost everybody else has, I guess. But my uh, provider has done a, a fairly good job of filtering those out, and I'm pretty good at just ignoring them. But I started getting SMS messages lately, and I got one that you know, they called me by name, which caught me off guard. And it just started as a, you know, a conversational SMS message. And it started with uh, something like, how's your day today? I'm like, uh, well, that depends. Who is this? And it proceeded from there. And, you know, hey, we're, you know, we saw your resume. Uh, we'd like to offer you a job. Uh, okay, let's play along, I thought, and see where this goes. To shorten it a little bit here, basically what they were trying to do initially, their first goal was to get me off of SMS messages and get me onto Telegram. We see that frequently where they move you from one platform to another one. That happens a lot, particularly with dating apps. So was that a clue that this may be a scam? Uh, that was one of them. As soon as they started, well, initially they started talking about downloading something from uh, the app store. And I'm like, oh gosh, what is this app going to be? And then they said it was Telegram. I'm like, okay, well, I've already got Telegram. That could be fun. And you know, the only thing I could think of is that maybe they consider it a little more secure communication than an SMS, or maybe just because they can put Telegram on a laptop and type faster, which is what I did to aid in my communications with them as well. I put Telegram on my laptop. It also helped me to copy and paste all of the text out of their uh, conversation as well. Right, because you've done a fairly good job of documenting this, and we'll put some links in the show notes to your documents. What happened once you moved to Telegram? So they told me that, uh, you know, I'd have to go through this interview process and they would decide whether or not uh, that they could hire me or not. They told me that they were working with Centra Group, which I researched a little bit. They, they actually are a large real estate conglomerate out of Australia and New Zealand. Uh, mm -hmm. They're a legitimate company. Um, so I'm like, OK, that could be interesting. Let's see where this goes. But what they're wanting us to do is they're telling me that, well, we're going to be opening up these new offices in your area. Did they just say in your area or did they yes. give you a specific space? Right. And in fact, they, that was one of the things they said in SMS. And initially I kind of burned the SMS message because when they said in your area, I said, well, where exactly do you think I am? Right. <laughs> and they said, Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm like, no, wrong. Guess again. <laughs> And after yeah. that, I didn't hear anything else from them. So they kind of caught on that I knew that it was a scam because I already knew that they were jumping to Telegram and my phone number associated with Telegram is a different number than the SMS messages were coming in on. I knew I could jump to it without them recognizing me as the same person. So I just waited a couple of hours before I brought up Telegram and just said, uh, someone told me that I should contact you. Mm. Right. So uh, I, I had fun with them, I think. When uh, they asked me for a name, I wasn't going to give them my personal name. So I gave him Stephen C.A. Matthews. And of course, the initials to that are scam. scam. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> they didn't pick it up. Uh, I, I kind of thought they might, but no, no, no. They go through this whole interview process. And one of the things that, that caught me off guard was that uh, their English was quite good. So I figure, you know, either they're native English speakers or they're just using something. I mean, there's so many tools available now to check your spelling, right? And check your, and your language as well, right? I mean, I do... Uh, business with clients in two or three different languages. So whenever I'm writing something in another language, I always run it through something because uh, English is my native language, but I don't speak German fluently or Italian fluently. So I, I run it through a couple of tools to make sure I'm not making grammatical errors. So they're probably doing the same thing, you think? I think it's entirely possible that they're using the same tools. Right. So they run me through this whole interview, and I'm sure the whole thing was, was copy and paste anyway, but they asked me all these questions, and I gave them some wonderful answers. Do you have any current jobs? Oh, well, yes, I have three jobs now, and I own my own business. But that didn't phase them. They said, oh, that's great. Huh. You're one of the best candidates we've interviewed so far. 
<laughs> they probably also pasted that. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's all part of the script, right? <laughs> right. So, um, you know, I get, I get through the arduous interview process and we've talked with our managers and they're happy to offer you this job. And I'm like, okay, great. What's next? Uh, well, we're going to send you a check. We need your address. I'm like, okay, you want my address? No. <laughs> right. Right. Back up just a tick here. I'm actually in Italy at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you know, all this stuff about your area and my address and sending things back and forth, I know they're full of it. Right? right. So there's no way that they can be uh, legitimate here. So they asked me for an address and I just make up something. I use bits and pieces of some addresses from my past and it ended up being in Virginia Beach. Not thinking they're not really going to send anything. But they said, OK, well, we'll be in touch with you tomorrow with tracking information for the check that we're going to send you. I'm like, yeah, right. Uh-huh. So lo and behold, the next day, eight o'clock in the morning, they contacted me. And said, hey, here's the tracking number for your FedEx package that we sent you. And I said, oops. (laughs) They actually sent something. I pulled up the tracking number in FedEx, and sure enough, they were sending me something. But FedEx said, hey, this address isn't valid. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Right, because you made it up, right? (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, I kind of backtracked with them a little bit. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got the zip code one digit off. I did a little bit of, you know, Google Maps research there and tweaked the address so that it would actually be valid to see what I could get out of them. And they're like, oh, well, you need to talk to FedEx and get FedEx to to deliver it to you. Maybe you can go over and pick it up. I'm like, that'd be a long drive. I didn't call FedEx. Um, I just told them, yeah, FedEx won't deal with me because I'm not the sender. And they said, oh. And FedEx probably sent it back to them, right? And the whole time I'm thinking, (laughs) they paid for that. Um, Right. (laughs) So they said, oh, it's okay. Here's what we'll do. We're going to scan a copy of the check and send it to you. I'm like, <laughs> what am I going to do with that? You can print it and use your bank's app on your phone to deposit the check. I played dumb. You can do that? Really? <laughs> I didn't know that. I learned something today. Thank you. And they dutifully emailed me a copy of a check the next day. And to be clear, this is a legitimate service that a lot of banking apps offer, photo depositive checks. Oh, yes. I, I receive checks from clients and deposit them by my phone two or three times a month. So, yeah, I, I know that this is something that can be done. I do it regularly. I'm dubious on whether or not you could scan it, print it, and then take a picture of it again as many times as my bank's application has said, yeah, no, the resolution is not good enough. Do that Do that again. I let it sit for a little while, and, and that was what I eventually told them was that you know I, I printed it at two or three different locations at my neighbor's printer, and, and I can't get the bank app to accept it because the resolution is not good enough, was what I eventually told them. But in the meantime, I take a look at this check that they've scanned me, and it's got a company name on it. Well, it's not Central Group, which is the first thing that jumps out at me. So my first thought is, okay, they're just making up checks and checking accounts. This is kind of squirrely. So I did a little research, and sure enough, Not only is the name of the company on the account accurate and exists, but it's got an address on the check that matches up with this company. Hmm. So I poke around. I do some reverse image searches on the site to make sure they're not faking the site. said, okay, you know what? I'm going to give these guys a call. So the next morning, I called this company. They're down in Georgia. It's a farming group. The first person I talked to, uh, I just told her straight up. She was, you know, uh, a secretary, I think, answered the phone. And I just said, look, uh... This is me. I'm an I'm a independent uh, security researcher, and I've found something rather strange that might be to do with your bank account, and I'd like to help you guys out and make sure that this isn't really you. 
And she says, let me have you talk with, and she named the guy. And I said, uh, okay. So he picks up the phone and I says, I tell him the whole story. And um, I said, now look, I'll send you some information. I don't want you to think I'm trying to scam you. This is who I am. And, and uh, he says, okay, well, just uh, can you send me a copy of the check and I'll have our finance department look at it. Here's my email address. So I emailed it to him. And about 15 minutes after I emailed it to him, he emails me back and said, thank you. Our finance department researched this, and it turns out our bank account had been hacked. Hmm. You know, at that moment, I swelled. I was like, I did something good today. Right. <laughs> We're fighting back against these guys. And, and every now and then, we just, just a little bit at a time, we, we have to take every win that we can get, right? It's a small victory, but it's still a victory. Exactly, exactly. So actually, you know, I thought of it as a, as a dual victory. One, you know, I helped help these guys out um, and hopefully they're going to recover from that without too much trouble. Yeah, as they recover from that, it takes one account away from these guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, I saw that as a dual victory. From there, I told them that I was going on travel and going to Northern Virginia for the weekend and asked them if they could send it to my sister's house. So I gave them a different address, which happened to be a valid address for my, uh, I have a mailbox at a UPS store in Northern mm-hmm. Virginia. And uh, so I gave him that address and I called the UPS store in advance and I said, look, I'm having this thing sent to you. It's a scam. I know it's a scam, but I'd like to get access to it as quick as possible. Can you guys open it for me and take a picture of it and send it to me? And they said, yeah, no problem, man. That That's great. As long as you send us something from your verified email address uh, and we know who you are, we'll, we'll do it for you. Awesome. Well, somehow I gave them the correct address and they bungled it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> when it, the, I gave the, the, the guys at the UPS store the FedEx tracking number, and they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we got that one, but it doesn't have your address on it. I'm like, really? It doesn't have my box number on it. And they're like, no, it only has this on it, the, the address of the, the building. I'm like, oh, good grief. All right, well, it, it's the one that, that's for me. Can you guys open it? Well, it doesn't have your name on it. I'm like, well, no, I wasn't going to give them my real name. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, it doesn't have your box number on it. It doesn't have your address on it. Uh, I'm sorry, but we, we have to send it back. We can't open it for you. I'm like, ah, oh, well. Because I was really hoping to get another bank account to try to uh, to get out of them. Yeah, I had to take a loss on that one. And uh, at that point, you know, I told them that I had um, that I wasn't able to get the check, that they had sent it to somewhere, that it was just to the building, and there's a lot of people in this building. They said, well, ask around. Maybe somebody has it. Someone has it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, at that point, they got kind of upset with me. <laughs> Or they pretended to be upset, right? They didn't want to send me another check. I'm like, well, can you send another one? <laughs> no, no, they won't send another check. So I let them sit, stew for a little while. I just kind of ignored them, I think, for a day. And I came back and I said, look, uh, you know, guys, I, I really need this job. Is there, is there some way that, that we can move ahead with this? What else can I do? Because I really wanted to get to the end game to find out what their final trick was. And they said, well, maybe, let me check. And they come back a few minutes later and said, well, can you come up with the money on your own for the initial startup? I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> so I said, how much? Right. And they said, $500. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can do that. And they said, all right, here's what you need to do. Is there a CVS or a Walmart or anything named a whole bunch of different places nearby? I'm like, well, sure there is. Which one? And I said, CVS, I think. And they said, all right, well, go to the CVS and call us when you get there. Now, there, there was a lot more time in there because I drug it out with them for a while just to play with them. And partly because I was, I think I was driving at the time. I didn't feel like messing with them. So I, I told them that I was doing something else and which I did several times, uh, which was also the convenience of having it on telegram, right? Which is so, you know, it's so nice of them to make it easier to mess with them by using messages instead of the phone. Right. right. Um, <laughs> eventually I, uh, 
I told them I was at CBS and asked them, what, what do I do now? And they said, uh, so you need to go in and buy eBay gift cards eBay gift cards. eBay gift cards. And I'm like, oh, really? All of this effort for a gift card scam? <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, I'm like, okay, well, well that's their end game. I know what the deal is now. Uh, and they, you know, they sent me a picture of a gift card. And I said, all right, I bought them. What now? And they said, okay, you need to scratch off the back and take pictures of it with your phone and send it to us. I'm like, uh-oh. They're like, they said, what? Well, my kids dropped my phone last week and broke my camera. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I, I drug them on for another two or three days before I finally stopped messing with them. Uh, and I haven't answered them. I haven't sent anything back to them in two or three days. The last thing I told them was that, uh, you know, I was at the CVS and I could go home and take the pictures with my iPad and transfer it to my phone and then send it to them on Telegram. And they said, okay, well, when are you going to do this? And I said, well, you know, about an hour or two maybe to the next day when I hadn't sent them anything. They're like, what happened? We waited for you till 8.30 last night. I'm sure you did. I, said, I, oh. I hope you actually did wait for me till 8.30 last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. At that point, I, I said, uh, I didn't answer them. I didn't answer them at all. I waited till uh, I think 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon, their time, and I sent them a message that said, sorry, went out drinking after dinner last night and just now getting up, not feeling so well, bye. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't say anything. Until and that's the, next the end of the day. conversation, right? No, no, until the next day. Oh, uh, the next I, day, okay. Yeah, yeah, the next day I sent them something else and I just said, yeah, I think the, the fish that I ate at uh, dinner the other night was, was bad. I'm going to the hospital now. And that was where I left it. I haven't said anything else to them. I'm thinking you know, maybe here in a week or two, I'll come back to them and see if I can drag them through something else just to see, <laughs> right? That would but, be awesome. Right, right. But in the interim, hopefully I won't be able to because after I stopped talking to them, I started reporting everything, right? So they sent me some emails. I pulled all of the um, the reply emails out. They were all uh, Gmail addresses. I sent those off to Google. I sent a, a note to – or a, an abuse thing with Telegram to their account as well. Um, so hopefully Telegram will be on the ball and shut that down. As of right now, they were last seen four minutes ago. So Telegram hasn't shut anything down. There was uh, – a server that uh, I managed to isolate of theirs. At, at one point, I told them, hey, is this your website? So I, I registered Centra Group with an E at the end, dot com. <laughs> so you used a scam trick against them. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. And at one point uh, during the conversation, I was like, uh, hey, is, is this your website? Uh, and and I, wasn't, I, was, I was upset because I, I didn't type it out fast enough. They pasted the, the correct website in uh, before I could type in uh, my scam link. And um, I was like, what do I do now? Oh, nuts. What do I do now? I thought about it for a second. And I said, oh, hey, I found this link. Is this you guys too? And I pasted them my link. And uh, three seconds later, ding, I get the hit from the canary token. <laughs> <laughs> uh, unfortunately, it was a proxy. They were using uh, a, use yeah, a VPN. Yeah, it was a GOM VPN proxy server running in a a vulture.com site. So I hit up the GOM VPN guys and said, uh, hey, uh, I got this scam, scammer guys running through one of your VPNs. Is there anything you can tell me about them? And, and all they said was, yeah, there's, there's no logs at all on those VPNs. Sorry, we can't do anything. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very common. Yeah, yeah which, which is what I expected, but had to ask, right? It looks like they're relaying through uh, another account that I managed to dig out from the email headers. Uh, and I contacted them as well, but I haven't heard anything back from them. So I'll keep pinging folks, try to shut some of this stuff down if we can. But uh, I feel like I've done a good thing, maybe. 
I would agree, Scott. It sounds like you've done a good thing. At least, if nothing else, you let one company know that their bank account had been compromised. Um, I think that's an accomplishment. It sounds like this is a a fake check scam where they're they're looking to steal money from a company they've compromised the banking credentials for, and then run it through you as a as a money mule and get the value back as gift cards, which they then sell, and that's how they make their money. Right now, the the one other interesting thing that I came across though was that. Uh, you know, they actually gave me the wrong tracking number one time too. So I ended up with three tracking numbers from these guys. The first one that they sent me, the one that they sent to the wrong address, was shipped from Mountain View, California. And I was like, oh, that's interesting, huh. right? But the second one was shipped from Purchase, New York. So do they have people in both of these different locations or have they tricked someone into sending these things off for them? That's a good question. I yeah, don't know the answer. I don't know how to figure that out. Yeah, because I thought maybe, you know, maybe they've got some other side scam that's just in reshipping stuff for them. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure something like that is happening. These guys are usually large operations that have many different tentacles and in different organizations. They are set up like corporations. So I mean, there are even ransomware people that have help desk. When you go to buy your data back, they have a number you can call to get assistance to decrypt your data. That's scary. All right, Scott, that is a great story. I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Yes, thank you, Joe. I appreciate being here. All right. What an interesting uh, series of events there. Yeah, that is a long tale. Scott has written up a couple things. One is an article on his webpage, and another one is actually a Google Doc that goes through everything that happened. Yeah. Uh, We'll put links in the show notes for that. Okay. It starts off with an SMS message that knows his name, which we talked about earlier with uh, with your story with the scams, knowing the name of the person associated with the phone number. Mm -hmm. And then they very quickly move it to Telegram. Mm-hmm. which is a common technique that we see a yeah. lot. So pull back the curtain. On the back end of this, somewhere there's a company that's been compromised. This farming company in Georgia yeah. had their bank compromised, and they've lost their routing number and their account number, and these people are able to forge checks. Right, right. And there are tons of applications out there that will let you print checks. Sure. And they're legitimate applications, right? Like, yeah. Uh, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't work in accounting. I should ask my wife this. She knows how this <laughs> works. So it's easy to easy to carry this out and relatively inexpensive to do this. Once you compromise it, you, it compromise the bank account credentials, then it's this is one of the ways they're going to capitalize on that hmm. with a money mule scam. Once they found that the check wasn't going to work, they asked Scott to front some money and just buy some gift cards. They just degenerated down to the base level of scamming yeah. here, where they say we need a gift, we need gift cards, and then we'll take care of it. And they go with eBay gift cards, yeah, which doesn't make any sense to me. No, you think you have someone on the line who is setting up a business, right? And mm-hmm. you think this person is maybe smarter than this. I think that seems like an amateur move. Well, just get us some eBay gift cards then. You know, yeah, maybe they're just cutting their losses. Yeah, you know, they, they've they've come this far with this person. They they feel they've they've got one on the hook. So right, we might as well see what we can do. It's funny that at the end of this scam, they still try to lay a guilt trip on Scott. You know, we waited here <laughs> till eight thirty for you. Yeah. Uh, they didn't. I, I I don't think they did, but I hope they did. Well, right? good good for Scott for being able to contact that company and yeah. tip them off that their right that their bank account had been compromised. And uh, it was also interesting to me that you sort of have that dilemma when you're trying to report this to someone to convince them that you're not a scammer. Correct. I've actually run into this myself. I have to do vulnerability disclosure mm, from mm-hmm, time to time, mm-hmm. and I had a vulnerability I needed to disclose to a small company. Uh, I won't talk about who the who the company is, but I reached out to the person via telephone a number of times and told him to expect an email from me, and he never responded. 
And I sent him an email, and it came from a JHU email address, and I, and I sent him all the documentation. And as soon as I sent him the email, I got the phone call back. Hmm. And, and one of the things I said in the email is, if you want to verify that I am who I say I am, just Google my name followed by the letters JHU, and I'll come up, and you can see my phone number. You can see my email address on a jhu.edu website. Right, right. Uh, and then I got a phone call back. Oh, okay. Right? Interesting. Uh, and and the first thing this guy said was, I didn't respond to your phone calls because I thought they were a scam. Yeah. I said, you know what? That's legitimate. I don't fault you for that. <laughs> right. But th- these are the vulnerabilities our students found, uh, and and you can do with them as you please. Yeah. But you're right. It is a delicate act, and the way you handle it is just be the faucet of information and don't ask for any information back. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. The Hacking Humans podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our coordinating producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 